0: What's up Football MD fam? Thank you for joining us. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 55 of the Football MD podcast, part B of our full draft breakdown. We're going to be covering the the sequel. The back end 16 teams. We covered the first 16 teams in alphabetical order. Now we'll be covering the back end 16 teams on this episode, giving you a full breakdown of, you know, the picks we liked, the picks we didn't like and you know just how teams did during the process
1: yeah and if you guys didn't catch our part one episode definitely go back and check that out we like just released it so go find it stop being lazy go listen to the first 16 picks and then come back listen to this one and get your full
0: draft recap not only that too also before we get into the first team the Arizona Cardinals we do give you a couple notes that we're going to skip over on this episode we really want you to go back and listen to that one but the notes are pretty solid it's you know it equates yeah. to this. Don't
1: the criteria that we draft yeah, off the, of. It's, and, it's yeah. the
0: criteria we grade off of, and just some good knowledge to know, background knowledge for you know our evaluations on these picks. Let's get right into it. We'll get right into it. Um, before we do that, one last thing. You know, we got to plug the social media pages: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're putting out a ton of content right now for you guys, and we're really excited for the next couple of weeks. We're actually going to flip our focus to like a. Way too soon fantasy rankings type thing, but we're missing fantasy football. We're getting itchy. We wanna, you know, talk fantasy football. So we're gonna do a couple way too early discussions. Yeah, we're and gonna talk about the rookies just drafted.
1: Yeah, and, and once you know, once the draft comes, it feels like football's right around the corner. So we're gonna yeah. act like it is and get yeah. you guys ready for your fantasy drafts, especially if you're in a dynasty
0: league. You know, it's never too early to start getting ready. And all that content is going to be coming to you through our episodes and our social media accounts, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Pod, or our website at FootballMDPodcast.com. Make sure you're up to date. Subscribe to all of them give us reviews, comments, engage. Guys, we love to engage with you guys. That's why we do this. You know, that's, we love it. So make sure you guys are engaging with us. Give us your opinions. We love to debate. We love to conversate. And with that said, I'll let you kick it off with the first team. We're going to start off with the Los Angeles Chargers.
1: Yes. And I gave them a B plus grade for their draft. They needed help at defensive tackle in the secondary and they needed an offensive tackle. And that's exactly where they went with their first three picks. Jerry Tillery, defensive tackle out of Notre Dame, has some injury concerns, having had shoulder surgery prior to the draft but he should be a monster on that defensive line if he stays healthy and then I thought safety Nasir Adderley in the second was a perfect compliment for Derwin James you know if you gave me Derwin James to start a team around and you told me go get a safety to play alongside him and I could build him in Madden my ideal (laughs) player it'd be Nasir Adderley I think he's going to be the perfect compliment there and then Drew Tranquil in the fourth one of the more impressive linebackers in coverage from this year's draft class I love the value there as well I
0: just want to say, because you covered it pretty well, what did you grade them? I'm sorry. I gave them a B plus. I gave them a C plus. I was a little bit lower on some of their picks. I wasn't, in the third round, Trey Pipkin's offensive tackle from Sioux Falls. He's obviously got to be developed a little bit coming from a smaller school. I know he impressed during the Senior Bowl week, but he definitely has to be developed and, you know, maybe some better value in the third round still available, but Overall, I do agree. And Jerry Tillery is the one pick that I want to mention. This was my second favorite pick. I think the second best pick in the first round. So the Chargers knocked that out of the ballpark. That's a check, check, and check situation. Win, win, win. When you get the best player on the board, extreme value, and you feel a huge need. The Chargers really did well for them in the first round. I was questionable later on. When Sir Enderly went, my number one safety, and in my opinion, leaps and bounds, the best safety in the class, Taylor Rapp was still on the board. We'll be talking talking about him in a little bit, but overall they did okay. C+, plus, a little bit better than average. That's how I got him. Yeah, and we'll keep it right in LA here. I'll let you kick it off with the Rams. Especially because they start off with, you know, they had a first round pick, but they trade back a couple of times. And Out of the first 60 picks. Yeah, and, and then their first selection is my guy, Taylor Rapp, a guy that Sean McVay on national television said he was fully comfortable with taking in the first round. So he was right on page with Taylor Rapp, in my opinion. He was fully confident in taking him in the first round, but they were lucky enough to trade back recuperate picks and still get him in the second, so extreme value. Darrell Henderson, everybody wants to talk about, oh, what's wrong with Todd Gurley, this and that. I'm not feeding that fire. What I do know about Darrell Henderson is even if he doesn't you know, take over for him, he can be used in the slide. He can be used in the backfield at the same time. He's an offensive weapon that any offense would love to have, so great pick, especially with an offensive mind like Sean McVay at the helm. David Long, one of the most productive and athletic cornerbacks in this class. Love his game. think he projects more as a nickel corner than a perimeter guy, but I do like his game. Bobby Evans, offensive tackle. You're going to hear me keep going because I love this draft, just so you know. Bobby Evans, offensive tackle, Oklahoma. I thought that was a great pick in the third round. Extreme value. long-time starter there. Same thing goes with their fifth round pick, David Edwards, offensive tackle, Wisconsin. They pump out offensive linemen in Wisconsin. And, you know, again, longtime starter. Both of them have to develop a little bit before you really, you know, Willing to let them start, but the Los Angeles Rams had one of the best offensive line units in the league last year. That's what contributed to so much of their success. So these guys aren't going to be rushed into it. They have the luxury of being able to develop. And honestly, my home run pick, my favorite pick, honestly, the best value even over Taylor Ratt in round two is his teammate, defensive tackle Greg Gaines in round four. I thought this was a home run pick. He's got to develop a little bit. He does dirty work. You know, he takes on double teams, he stuffs the run in the middle. He's going to pair well with Aaron Donald when he finally develops into a full-time starter. Love his game. And he can even rotationally play on first and second down now as a run stuffer. So love the value that they got. I gave them an A. I thought they did absolutely amazing this draft.
1: Yeah, and I'm pretty close right there with you. I gave them a B plus. I'm not going to evaluate their draft too much because you just completely crushed it there. But going back to the uh, to the Darrell Henderson pick, that does give me a little bit of concern over Todd Gurley's status. I know he'll still likely be the lead back. He's the most talented running back that they likely? have. Likely, well, no, he's still going to be the lead back. That was that I missed. Uh, I misspoke there but they're definitely going to draw back his workload in my opinion, bringing in a guy like Darrell Henderson and Malcolm Brown, running back that was already on the roster. He was going to walk in free agency, but the Rams went out and matched the offer that he got from the Lions to keep him in LA. So they're building up depth at the running back position on purpose. And I think it's because they're
0: concerned over Todd Gurley's injuries. Well, just in general, when you have that workhorse back, they're going to get, they're going to get beat up a little bit. They they get a ton of touches. You know, they're heavily involved in the pass and the run. They're constantly getting tackled. They're getting beat up every single play. There's going to be health issues at that position that's why we talk about there not being real value in it taking them so early in the draft because as good as they are What's going to be their health record and what's going to be their longevity in the NFL? It's not very much, you know? Exactly,
1: and even if Todd Todd Gurley is moved past his injuries, they have to draw back his workload a little bit. There was no other running back touching the ball until C.J. Anderson came in at the back end of 2018. So you cannot give a guy that type of workload year in and year out and expect him to hold up, especially he had his injury issues in college. So they're going to be drawing that back. I think it's for the best. So I really like what the Rams did in the draft. Yeah, I thought you weren't
0: going to talk about them that much.
1: Yeah, I kind of I <laughs> just kept on going there. But we'll move right along now to the Miami Dolphins. I gave them a B. I love the pick of defensive tackle Christian Wilkins in the first round. He has the versatility to play all over the defensive line, and the Dolphins never really replaced kong Su. So I think Williams will slot in nicely to that defense. And, of course, they traded for quarterback Josh Rosen on Friday night. So you can say what you want about the kid in his rookie year, but he was a highly touted prospect just a year ago. I'm not ready to completely throw that out the window. We don't know what type of player Rosen will develop into so I think grabbing him for a late second this year and a fifth rounder in 2020
0: I think that's a steal not only is it a steal but it comes at extreme value the Arizona Cardinals have already paid 70% of his salary so you have him for the next three years at I don't know two million dollars a year paying Ryan Tannehill over 20 million dollars a year it gives you the opportunity to have the money to build around him, bring in weapons. They already have a pretty good offensive line unit and they added to it in this draft. Being smart and planning for the future, something that the Dolphins haven't done well recently, but they did well this year.
1: Yeah, and then I actually liked what the Dolphins did with their next three picks as well. Two of their most pressing needs were offensive line and linebacker and that's exactly where they went in the third, fifth, and sixth rounds. So I thought you know, they pretty much crushed this draft. I gave them a B. I don't think there's a ton of upside to the players that they added but they filled needs they got their quarterback and you know defensive
0: tackle Christian Wilkins speaks for himself and it was a different regime there keep in mind last year with Adam Gase and now with Brian Flores the new head coach they're gonna have a little bit of difference so some guys might fall out of favor so to speak with the new coaching change it happens all the time and also the running back depth chart you know Frank Gore kind of stole the limelight from Kenyon Drake last year who we thought would break out now Kenyon Drake's still there but they add a seventh round running back who's pretty talented I thought it was a steal and Miles Gaskin he was pr- productive at Washington I do think you know he has an opportunity to maybe not start but like we said there's always injuries at the position most teams like to implore a rotation anyway like a committee so to speak so that's a guy who might be able to step onto the field as early as this year for you and you got him in the seventh round that's good value I have him at a b- minus.
1: all right so yeah we're pretty close there
0: I'll let you take this next team over real quick it's the Minnesota the Vikings and honestly I gave them a seat because I really didn't see the value let's be honest Garrett Bradbury their offensive line they needed to address it so I'm okay with that pick 18th overall I think they could have been better served with Andre Dillard who was on the board you know I think the only one offensive lineman had gone at that point and that was Jonah Williams I think the tackle position is a little bit more valuable than the center but the center does call the plays he keeps your guys in line he's supposed to be the leader of the offensive line unit so I'm okay with it But in the second round, not going back for offensive line, I think was a mistake. Irv Smith Jr., don't get me wrong, he's a talented player. You have plenty of receiving options in that offense. You got plenty of... You know, skills in that offense. You also have Kyle Rudolph who's not bad, and he was underutilized last year. So between Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, that's where most of Kirk Cousins' passes are gonna go anyway. I just didn't I think they needed offensive line. And then they didn't pick again until the fourth round, Drew Samaya, who is offensive guard out of Oklahoma, but he's not gonna contribute right away. They don't get anybody else who's gonna contribute it right away. They make one really good value pick in Chris Boyd, cornerback in Tech from out of Texas, in the seventh round. But besides that. Just very underwhelming from this perspective that, you know, they had 11 total selections, seven of which were on day three. Of those seven, four were in the seventh round. So, You're talking about, you know, you have so much draft capital. You need to combine that. Move up when you're missing a third round pick. Get more meaningful, more impactful talent. You know, you had plenty of draft capital to move up and grab somebody who could have paid dividends this year. They didn't do it. I'm really disappointed in them. I gave them a C and I think that's being very generous if I shouldn't give them a D or C-. minus.
1: Yeah, and speaking how a lot of their picks were later in the draft, also only three of their 11 picks went towards the offensive line, which I think we both thought was their biggest need. I do like the selection of Garrett Bradbury, the Vikings ranked 25th in run blocking last year. So he will be in an immediate upgrade there, but no one else along the offensive line that I'm too excited about. So that definitely downgrades their draft for me. I like what they did making the life of Kirk Cousins a little bit easier, getting him some protection as well as some quick pass targets like Irv Smith Jr. at tight end and running back Alexander Madison. Of course, with Dalvin Cook's inability to stay healthy, more running back depth was needed. So adorable power back like Madison made sense. He can also catch some passes. Like I said, just making Kirk Cousins' life a little bit easier, but I just don't think they got the value at the positions that they needed. So yeah, that definitely downgraded them a little bit for me. Now, the next team we're going to be talking about here is a team that I thought got all the value in the world. This is the New England Patriots. I gave them an A. I thought they had an awesome draft as the returning Super Bowl champions, just tons of value. We saw last season how badly they needed a big, reliable wide receiver to get downfield and win on contested catches. They got exactly that at the back end of the first round with wide receiver Nikhil Harry. Then they went on to grab cornerback Joan Williams out of Vanderbilt who fits exactly what the Patriots were looking for, some versatility in their secondary. They also snagged defensive end Chase Vinovich in the third. That was a complete steal in my opinion. He's a versatile non-stop player at a position of need for the Patriots. Then they closed out the third round grabbing running back Damian Harris and offensive tackle Yadni Kajust. Two more solid values. At running back, Sonny Michel has had some injury issues last year and without him the Patriots really didn't have a guy to carry that full workload. We know Rex Burkhead plays a specific role and James White, he's best suited as a pass catcher and then Kajust who felt likely due to injury concerns if he stays healthy he'll be a steal for what he can do in pass pro and let's not forget about quarterback Jarrett Stidham in the fourth i think he's a great developmental prospect that can sit behind the goat and really develop exactly what the patriots like to do
0: and i don't have much to say here joe joan williams six four prospect he fits the patriots mikhail harry in my opinion he was the number one wide receiver that i had on my board i love the guy i think he's going to be one of the better players in this draft class when it's all said and done and chase winovich extreme value one of the better defensive ends in the class just like you said, home run picks all over the place. So I'll move right on to the New Orleans scene. I will
1: say, for fantasy value, I hate that they grabbed Damian Harris. Running backs are going there to die this year. You're not going to be able to trust James White, Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, or... Damian Harris, in my opinion, that's going to be
0: a. I mean, can you ever really try It's always a gamble with their their defense, with their running back group. Yeah. I, always- was just, I was really hoping Damian Harris landed somewhere where he could be a fantasy stud, but you
1: know we'll save that one for another episode. I'll let you kick off this next team. My
0: one thing that I'll comment on: the only fantasy stud at the running back position is going to be jo- Josh Jacobs this year. Take it now for what it's worth. He's going to be the man. On to the New Orleans Saints. They don't have a ton of capital, and even with the capital they had, they didn't do good too well, in my opinion. I get Max Unger left, he is retired, but Eric McCoy immediately fits that need, fills that gap, and that's the only good real pick I'm a fan of. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was good value in round four, but all these guys are developmental prospects, nobody's going to pay dividends, and not to mention, so they didn't get anybody of real impact except for the center for this year, and they gave it all up for Marcus Davenport. Uh, I gave him a D. Yeah, I'm a... Yeah, I'm a little bit more higher on
1: the Saints draft than you are. I gave them a C+, plus, so still nothing tremendous. I did like some of their picks, but it's just tough with only five picks. None in the first, third, or fifth rounds to make a splash. You mentioned Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I was really hoping he would have went to the Colts. I expected him to even go a little bit earlier, so I do like that pick. And then, of course, Eric McCoy at center filled a need, but... Other than that, I mean, they grabbed the tight end and Elise Mack out of Notre Dame in the 7th. I guess he has some nice upside, but not very impressive for the New Orleans Saints this year. So now we'll hop right over to the New York Giants, who I gave a B grade to. The Giants were super busy on day one of the draft with three picks in the first round. Of course, they selected quarterback Daniel Jones, 6th overall. The Odell Beckham Jr. trade gave them the 17th pick, where they selected defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence. And then the Giants traded back into the first round to grab cornerback DeAndre Baker, So let's start with probably the most controversial pick of the draft, quarterback Daniel Jones. The Giants definitely caught a lot of slack for that pick, but as you've said on previous episodes, he didn't have a lot of receiving talent to work with at Duke. He played behind one of the worst offensive lines in college, and he does have some positive traits. I know they likely could have waited until the 17th pick. He might have still been sitting there, but they needed to get Eli's eventual replacement, so they went out and got the guy that they liked. That one, we're just going to have to wait and see how it plays out.
0: You have to wait and see how it pans out. But the one thing I will say about, oh, he could have been there at 17, whatever. Here's the way I feel about quarterback. You don't take a quarterback if you don't think he could be a franchise guy. And you don't wait on a guy that you think can be your franchise guy. If you didn't think he could be a franchise quarterback going forward, then he's not on your first round radar at all. He don't go at 17. He don't go at, you know, when they trade back in. He don't go in the first round. You know, if you if anything of value, you take him later if he's there. If you think you found the guy, you don't wait on him. You don't get cute at the quarterback position, as Dave Gettleman said. I agree with that. You take him at six overall, I'm okay with that. I'm not going to get into it too much because, honestly, it's so controversial that we could do a whole episode on it. But I'm just going to say I'm a fan of the Daniel Jones pick, and then I'll let you continue on with the Giants.
1: Yeah, the only other thing I have to say about the Giants is that cornerback was arguably their biggest pre-draft need, and that's what I had as their biggest pre-draft need if you went back to our draft needs article. So of course, they got DeAndre Baker in the first round, I like that, and they didn't stop there. I thought they got great value in the fourth and sixth rounds, grabbing cornerbacks Julian Love out of Notre Dame and Corey Ballantyne out of Washburn. So not only did they target their biggest need, but they added depth to the position. So that's what really boosted their grade for me.
0: Yeah, and like I said, I'm not going to go into Daniel Jones because, like I said, I'm a fan of it, and I realize that's not a popular opinion, but I'm going to stand by that, and we'll talk about it in three years. Just get him and said... <laughs> He'll start before then, that's just a joke. The rest of the picks, literally if you look at the rest of the draft, it is amazing. Dexter Lawrence will start, DeAndre Baker will start, O'Shane Zimenez will start out of Old Dominion. He's an impactful guy. He might not be, you know, pro ready 100% coming out of some small school, but he'll be a edge specialist in a rotational role this year and as he develops into a full-time starter, which he will, Julian Love and made amazing, amazing value and really projects as a true nickel corner at the next round at the next level. So that's a dynamite pick. Ryan Connolly, Darius Slayton are both two great developmental prospects that I had my eye on. I gave the Giants an A minus. I think they knocked it out of the ballpark. They did an excellent job. And we'll move right on to the game green. Surprisingly, probably the better team in New York right now, which is uncommon. But the New York Jets, they proved that you don't need a ton of draft capital to really get a good grade in a draft because they didn't have too many picks, but they nailed them. Obviously, Quinton Williams with the third pick overall. It's hard to say a steal at third pick overall, but when he's my number one prospect... In the entire class, he should have went one overall. So that third pick is actually quite a steal. Then they go and get Jack Eye Polite, defensive end Florida in the third round. A guy that a lot of people had at the back end of the second round sometime during this offseason. He fell a little bit because he didn't test great, but he was productive and he was good at Florida. And, you know, that's good value. Not to mention, they get in the third round Chuma Adaga, offensive tackle from USC. This is a guy who I don't think he'll pay dividends in 2019. But I would look at him to be a starter immediately in 2020. That's not bad development. What I'm saying is he doesn't have much to learn. He's got a little bit further to go. But, you know, it was a huge need for them. They couldn't really address it because they went with best player available earlier in the draft. But just addressing it in some extent with a promising prospect, in my opinion, was a great job. Trevon Wesco, tight end out of West Virginia. He's going to compliment Herndon, who just exploded onto the scene at the end of the season last year. He'll be the number two guy behind him and and in two tight end sets. That means he'll play. Lastly, in round five, great value. Blake Cashman. This is an inside linebacker who, you know, is a tremendous prospect. He's a guy who can play immediately in year one. And you get that value in round five. So that tremendous value. And a guy who can even develop into a full-time starter. And honestly, I think maybe possibly a start in the position. I really like Cashman's game. So I gave them a B plus. I thought they did excellent. They would have had the A, but they didn't have enough capital to really capitalize in that way. They capitalized as best as they could with what they had.
1: Yeah, and I definitely agree with everything that you said. I actually gave them an A minus just because I didn't take into account the lack of capital that they had. I thought with what they had they made the most of it. They got value in every single round so they landed with an A- for me but now we'll move right over to the Oakland Raiders and I gave them a C plus. I thought they got a lot of solid players with their three first round picks and they filled some needs but I don't think they maximized value by any means. I really like edge rusher Cleveland Farrell a lot. I just thought fourth overall was a little surprising. I did like the pick of Josh Jacobs at 24 with no more Marshawn Lynch or Doug Martin. The Raiders obviously needed a running back so they went out and got the best one in the class and then again safety Jonathan Abram the guy who actually catfished us on Facebook a few days (laughs) ago um definitely not definitely not a bad pick the Raiders secondary was brutal last season so I get it I just thought he was more of a second round guy and really that's how I felt about all of their first round picks I know Cleveland Farrow was more of a back end of the first round guy but I didn't think they got a lot of first round talent with their three first round picks but then they did kind of win me back over Trayvon Mullen in the second helped fill one of their biggest needs at cornerback and tight end Foster Moreau I actually like that pick he gives the Raiders a nice receiving tight end which they're currently lacking
0: he's gonna start he got picked in the fourth round he's gonna start that's good value not to mention also picked in the fifth round Hunter Renfro a wide receiver out of Clemson he's gonna be their slot wide receiver he's gonna start I thought they did tremendous. I gave him an A minus. We couldn't be further apart on this one. I, I think you're crazy. I here's the thing. I understand what you mean by they didn't capitalize on value, but for a team that's been constantly underperforming, they have a competent quarterback in their car and everything. So they needed to change culture, and that's what they did. They got guys like Josh Jacobs, who le- lived in his car for, you know, a couple years, and Jonathan Abram, who is a tone setter and a leader, and Cleveland Farrell, who is the cleanest prospect out of Clemson this year. Everybody, you know, none of them were well rounded or they they all have question marks off the field. Leland Farrell got slept on, you know, but he was the cleanest prospect. They're gonna have to bring in some of those high-character
1: guys to balance out the wild card of Antonio Brown coming over to Oakland. And Vontaze Burfict. So <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: I-, I think they were, I think they were trying to redeem themselves through the draft, getting some, getting some nice guys.
0: But the other thing that I actually boosted their grade for me and this is a little unfair I guess because it's not really part of the draft but I actually boosted their grade a little bit because I think too often in the NFL they are quick to blame the quarterback position you know they're thinking about getting rid of Derek Carr Derek Carr was a couple years ago one of the top quarterbacks in the league you know and it's easy to say we're not having success because of the most important position which is the quarterback but how about you surround him with some weapons how about you draft a little bit better on defense how about you give him a little bit more you set him up for success a little bit more and then if he still can't produce yeah then you got to move on but don't be so quick to blame one player in a sport that is the biggest team game in all of sports like let, let's chill out and be on the quarterbacks I get it you know it can be detrimental to your team but I think Derek Carr is better than giving credit for this offseason so many people were like ready for them to trade up and get Kyler Murray and so I gave them a couple bonus points for sticking with their guy in Derek Carr a guy that I'm not crazy about but I just think it was the right move organizationally to stick with Derek Carr so a minus for me we were completely on different ends of the spectrum (laughs) there but
1: for sure and next up we have the Philadelphia Eagles. I gave them a B plus with just we We're five. right on the money
0: there. There right we on go. The High five again. We did
1: one last episode, got another one here. With just five picks, I really liked what the Eagles managed to get done on draft day. They didn't really have any major holes to fill, so they were kind of just able to sit back and make improvements and plan for the future. Kind of some luxury drafting, in my opinion. They traded up to get offensive tackle Andre
0: Dillard, one of the better pass protectors in the class. The best pick in the first round, hands down, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I thought that was especially a solid move considering that Jason Peters, he's been great for the Eagles, but he's 37 years old and his contract expires in the next year or two. So you know, Dillard's not gonna have to start
0: right away. He's gonna play this year. Jason Peters actually because he does take some snaps off, so he'll play. And I think Dillard, they'll move him around the formation to get him on the field. And then when Peters leaves, he'll be the full-time left tackle.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's a nice situation for him to fall into, though, with an established tackle already in place there. Yeah. And then of course they had to pass up on Josh Jacobs to get Dillard, but they still managed to grab one of the better running backs in the draft with Miles Sanders in the second round. I think he could end up being a nice compliment to
0: a bruiser like Jordan Howard. You're giving me a look for that Miles Sanders. Well, I, because you, he was my second rated running back. I loved him. I love him. I just hate this fit for him because how many running backs do you need? You trade for Jordan Howard. You yes, have Corey Clement, Clement Qu- Wendell Smallwood. Talk about it. Talk yeah. about it. <laughs> they're, they're, their names are escaping <laughs> Josh me. They Adams, Josh you know, Adams. Josh Adams. There he is. They they yeah. got, running backs go there and they just, you can't trust that backfield. And it sucks because... I love this running back, and you just can't trust him for fantasy perspective. Hey, yeah, great for the Eagles. I, yeah. I, that's what I should say. Build great for the, the Eagles. Depth, sure. you know <laughs> they they rotate them in and out. and They get production from them. Like you said, there's always injuries, so they always have a talented guy stepping in. It's great for the team. Ugh, fantasy football, man. Yeah, Eagles backfield. Stay away from Eagles. It. We'll talk about it later, but <laughs>
1: Eagles backfield is going to be a mess. But they also added a wide receiver that we both were pretty high on, JJ Arcega-Whiteside, who really could develop into a legit red Fire. zone threat at the NFL, at the NFL level. And what I really like is he doesn't need to start right away either he can basically just sit back if i'm on the coaching staff i'm telling him to sit back and just watch alshon jeffrey that that's what you want to develop into in a few years and they have his replacement already there
0: yeah, and you're absolutely right he does he's not the best thing about all these picks for the eagles is that their roster is so stout that none of these guys are going to be forced to produce right away or like be an impactful player right away but the best thing about these picks are situationally rotationally they all can you know miles sanders can be that change of pace back you know from jordan howard he could be your one two Punch. J.J. Ortega Whiteside could easily be a red zone threat right now. Yep. You know, at his size and strength and his. You know, he's got one of the best pure ball adjustments abilities in the game, like could body control in air, making fantastic catches, second to Nikhil Harry in the class. He's a very talented player. Extreme value at twenty five the twenty-fifth pick in the second round. So I gave him a B plus. We both gave him B plus. Yeah, and I also like the Clayton draft.
1: Thorson pick at quarterback in the fifth round. Of course, Nick Foles is no longer there. Thorson, not someone that you want to throw out there in year one, but You know, you have a backup in place now for Carson Wentz, so I like that move as well.
0: I mean, Carson Wentz is young, so, like, you know, like Will Greer in the third. I I said that that was a bad pick for the Panthers. But in the fifth round? But this is what I'm talking about. In the fifth round, that's where you're talking about, you know, even the New, New England Patriots. And here's something that I was talking about over the weekend is all these teams, you know, they draft these players and they're like, oh, Todd Gurley on watch, or they draft a quarterback, and they're like, oh, you know, Eli Manning needs to be on watch. And why is it you're so threatened by a draft pick? Like, you've been in the NFL. You should beat him out. No problem. Do you know that the New England Patriots take a quarterback every single year in the draft? Yep. And, And sometimes as early as the second round. Have you ever heard Tom Brady get... Disgruntled like Ben Roethlisberger did when they drafted (laughs) Mason Rudolph in the third round, you know, and he's like upset. Like that's incredible to me. You have to prove it and play for your job every single year. Quarterback position is no exception. Ask Tom Brady. I'm sure he's never scared of a draft pick coming in to steal his
1: job for sure. And you just mentioned Ben Roethlisberger, so we'll move right over to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I gave them an A for what they did in the draft. I had wide receiver, cornerback, and linebacker were the top three needs that I had for the Steelers heading into. Draft day and they addressed all three positions in the first three rounds so I'm clearly a fan of what they did linebacker was a top position of need so I have no problem with them trading up to get a stud in Devin Bush they had to give up their second rounder this year and a third rounder next year which is really reasonable if Bush is in fact the player everyone expects him to be Then they drafted wide receiver Deontay Johnson in the third, who I really wasn't too high on. I thought that was a bit of a reach, but when it comes to wide receivers, I'm not going to argue against the Pittsburgh Steelers' evaluation process. And then I thought their second third round pick of cornerback Justin Lane out of Michigan State was an absolute steal. And then they grabbed running back Benny Snell in the fourth, a big, powerful runner to add some depth
0: behind James Conner and Jalen Samuel. I think that was a nice add as well. This is another one we're not going to agree on. I gave him a C minus. Devin Bush picking the first round, I'm fine with, but it's so uncharacteristic for the Steelers. They have never traded up in the first round, especially into the top 10. I get it was a huge need. They haven't been able to replace Shazier since he's left. Perfect fit, all that, and it's, it's the right value. You know, don't get me wrong, but it's just a little uncharacteristic, but it was an okay pick.
1: Well, what I will say to kind of piggyback off of what you were just going on about the trading up for the linebacker, they could have stayed. They could have stayed at twenty, grabbed a cornerback, and then still gotten value at linebacker in the second round and not given up any capital there. So, I and maybe not
0: cornerback just because I think they nailed a the cornerback pick in the, in, uh, yeah. in the third round. I mean, Justin Lane, I, I agree with that pick. Course, yeah. I, I know you just said that, but. So, in the third round with the second pick, Deontay Johnson, I just, Hakeem Butler, 6'5, he was on the board, man. What are people doing? What are people doing? Yeah. He was productive at Iowa State. All you need to hear is Megatron said his game looks like his. That's all you need to know. Why does this chance. guy sit on the board <laughs> for so long? And, and why are we drafting wide receivers out of Toledo before this guy? <laughs> uh, this, like you said, yes, they do, have done very well in the past. Juju Smith, Schuster, Antonio Brown, finding these late round wide receivers. Eh. They also draft them every year. So don't act like, you know, they hit home runs every year. You know, they found two or three guys in the past few, in the past 10 years, Uh, you know, uh, in the mid rounds. Don't, don't like sleep on the fact that they're taking a high amount of these guys. Besides Devin Bush and Justin Lane, just very underwhelmed. Now don't get me wrong. I think the offense is set. I don't think they needed to replace Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. They have James Conner. They have Juju Smith-Schuster. They have talented wide receivers. They'd be okay. They got a good offense led by a pro quarter, a legit pro quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. They needed defense. They weren't that good on defense. A team that used to set the tone on defense. This is what the Steelers organization has been about so I'm happy they went to the defensive side of the ball but just questionable about the talent that they brought in a little bit we'll move right on to the Seattle Seahawks you know I gotta say I gave them a B and I'm surprised that I didn't give them more because I was a little bit questionable on the picks but the one thing you got to commend them for is they came into the draft I think a week before the draft they had four total selections to their name with the Frank Clark tra- trade and then like moving around and recuperating picks and trading back they ended End up with 11 selections I, I'm pretty sure that was tied for the most I think one team might have had 12 whatever but they were that's incredible that's savvy drafting right there and Collier to me LJ Collier the first round pick was a little bit of a reach but I also see what they're going for you're trying to replace Frank Clark as the defense end. Collier is actually different. He's, a, like, a not a pass rusher. Clark is a pass rusher. Collier is more of the run-stuffing, containment, the end. He's your base 4-3 end. But still, you take a guy in the same position to, you know, maybe change the mold of the position a little bit. But at the same time, at the end of the day, you're replacing that position. You know, it's the defensive end. In the second round, Marquise Blair, safety, 15th overall. Like I said, you're taking Marquise Blair out of Utah, a prospect that I'm fine with. Taylor Rapp is still on the board at this point. I think that's a huge mistake. Well, I can't give you credit. for that team even though it's a huge need but you could have had Taylor Rapp that's a mistake the real value pick is DK Metcalf you know 32nd overall in the second round that's incredible credible value a great weapon for Russell Wilson and a team that's been led by their defense I'm okay with them adding on the offensive side of the ball especially giving Russell Wilson a weapon that he hasn't had in his whole time there they brought in Brandon Marshall to be a big body wide receiver but he never panned out and you had Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett these guys are what, six six one at most? So, get to bring in that big body wide receiver. I'm a huge fan of DK Metcalf and his speed. The Seattle Seahawks also did pretty well in the late rounds. Wide receiver Gary Jennings out of West Virginia is a, was a great pick. I also thought Phil Haynes and Ben Burkervin were two picks in late rounds, fourth and fifth round respectively. Phil, Phil Haynes, the offensive guard out of Wake Forest, and Ben Burkervin, inside linebacker at Washington. These are two guys that also I thought could go on day Two of the draft, they slid into day three of the draft, and I think that's where they got tremendous value. Not to mention Ben Burkervan playing in Washington, you kept him right at home in Seattle. Like he's born and raised in Washington he was going to stay there for now with his pro ball. That's a great fit for them. Inside linebacker, they have a ton of inside linebacker talent, so they don't need him to play right now. But just a good guy, you know, just in case, you know, Wright or somebody leaves in free agency sometime soon.
1: Yeah. And I also give the Seattle Seahawks a B for this draft class. And I'm going to take it back to the DK Metcalf pick real quick, because I think this is a great fit for DK Metcalf as well. I think Russell Wilson and his super accurate deep ball abilities are ideal for getting the most out of Metcalf early on. Of course, he has to develop as a route runner. They're not going to really need him to run many routes they can let him scorch down the field and I said on last week's episode that I think he would benefit from a situation where he's not the number one wide receiver and There's someone else to take some attention off of him and let him just do his thing on the outside. He may end up being the number one wide receiver here with Doug Baldwin's career kind of up in the air at the
0: moment. Stay tuned for for that. We'll touch on that later in the offseason.
1: For sure. But Metcalf, even though he may be the number one wide receiver, the Seahawks want to run the ball. So they're not going to be putting the whole offense on his shoulders. They're going to take a lot of pressure off him. You have to respect the run game in Seattle. So, you know, respect the run game, Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, all you want. While DK Metcalf scorching down
0: the field. I think that's an awesome fit for him. Absolutely. Like you said, they just it's just a good fit while he scorches down the field because they were the most run-heavy team in the NFL last year. They ran a ton. They're bringing guys into the box and you know, DK Matt, Metcalf scorched you down the sidelines. Yeah, and if anyone That's can trouble. air it
1: out to him down there, it's Russell yeah. Wilson. So oh, yeah. you love that. Especially, he's going to be extending the play. He's going to be in the end zone by the time <laughs> yeah, defense oh, even realizes what's happening. But we'll move right on to our next team here. We have the San Francisco 49ers, and I give them a B+. Of course, they filled one of their biggest needs with arguably the best player in the draft, defensive end Nick Bosa, to pair with free agent signee D. Ford. That's huge for the pass rush that ranked near the bottom of the NFL last season. They then followed that up by targeting another position of need by selecting wide receivers Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd in the second and third rounds. I know you're not as high on those guys as I am. But Samuel, he's one of the best route runners in this draft class. Like I said, I know I'm a little higher on him than you are. And then Hurd, he's a raw prospect, a converted running back, but he has insane measurables and could develop into a big slot receiver. I think Kyle Shanahan can have some fun with him as both a running back and a wide receiver. And really both are just versatile players that a creative coach like Shanahan can really get the most out of.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't don't like the draft. C minus, you grab Nick Bosa, which I get it. He's one of the better prospects in the draft, but you draft on the defensive line, and in the front seven every year in the top 10 for the past 10 years you're just admitting the fact that you took Sol- Solomon Thomas last year third overall and he's reduced to a backup because you brought in D4 to Nick Bosa like you're admitting the fact that you're drafting the top 10 and your picks are not panning out you're not drafting well you know and that's something I'm not a fan of so yeah I get it get Nick Bosa the guy who yeah is gonna be a sure thing but it sucks because you drafted DeForest Buckner you drafted Ar- Eric Armstead you drafted Solomon Thomas you drafted all these guys on the on the front line and you hit st- they They're should not, be loaded. Yeah, there they they right should now, be yeah. loaded there already, and it's viewed as a position to need. That's a problem. So that's one, two. After that pick, y- y- you got nobody that I'm crazy about. Debo Samuel, fourth overall in the second round, went before DK Metcalf. Thought that was crazy. I mean, I mean DK Metcalf, but so many other guys. Nikhil Harry went what three, four picks before him. Like everybody else was on the board besides Nikhil Harry and Marquise Brown. You could have gotten anybody else, and you you took Debo Samuel. I, I don't know. I would have taken Andy Isabella before that, you know? Because I, I don't know. Just really confused. Jalen Hurd. Why was he? This is where I really get started annoyed with this. I'm a fan of this team because I like Kyle Shanahan. And I get given him some offensive weapons to play around with. Fourth round. This is the epitome of it. Fourth round. Pick eight, Mitch Wichineski. Uh, punter out of Utah. Julian Love went in that area. He might have went like one or two picks before him. Package up every single one of your wasted picks after that. And go up and dump <laughs> the Giants and grab Julian Love, a cornerback. Because you guys had the worst secondary... In the last 10 years in the NFL. Like, you guys were got off on the secondary. You didn't draft need. You didn't hit value. C-minus, you should have gotten a D. It's the one team I should maybe should have given an F before the, the, an F G- G- the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> uh, just very disappointed with that draft, in my opinion. I, I I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm crazy. But, I just, like I said, their secondary was the worst in literally a decade. Like, they were, that's how bad they were. They had the worst grade in over a decade. And yet, you don't draft a secondary at all with the oh i'm sorry in the sixth round you take cornerback tim harris out of virginia do you know who tim harris is i don't know who i have no idea who tim <laughs> harris is we studied what two 300 some prospects between the two of us neither of us touched on tim harris incredible we'll keep it moving here i'll let you take this next one <laughs> sorry for that rant dude sorry for that rant but that was a, in my opinion i don't know what they're thinking tampa bay buccaneers though they had a good draft a minus a-. i gave them a b so i i'm right there with you kind of um devin white home run pick at five overall And then they are the team that also had a huge need in the secondary. But you know what they did? (laughs) They drafted in the (laughs) secondary. They addressed it. With the second round pick, they take Sean Bunting, quarterback out of Central Michigan. In the third round, they go back to the cornerback position to take Jamal Dean, athletic freak from the combine out of Auburn. Oh, and then in the third round, they pick again and they take Mike Edwards' safety out of Kentucky. They're stacking on the secondary because they know they have a need at a secondary. (laughs) And Mike Edwards is not going to be ready to start this year like Jamal Dean and Sean Bunting who can contribute right away. Developmental prospect in the late third round that, yeah, you know, he might play a little bit if you play in a three safety set right now. In the long run, he'll probably end up being a starter for them. Not to mention they did pretty well also in the fourth round. I like the developmental pick of Anthony Nelson. That's a guy who I think can also play rotationally on the edge immediately to give you like a small snap count, maybe like in relief of your, you know, more prominent defensive ends. Not that their defensive line is lacking. They have JPP and Vita Valle. They've enlisted on their front defensive line but that gives them the opportunity to progress and develop and I thought they did okay I gave it an A- minus. like I thought they did very well for them I, I said okay but A- minus is as good as it's gonna get really
1: yeah and like I said they got a B for me Tampa had the 30th ranked defense in 2018 so they used six of their eight picks on that side of the ball so you gotta like that the only thing I had I thought they would have went with a running back I think they could definitely
0: use an upgrade there Peyton Barber was ninth in the NFL last year in carries and I did recognize that I, I do have a note on that that I was That they didn't take running back, but they're also a diamond dozen. You could find one, of course. Priority free agent or something like that. They also took
1: Ronald Jones last year, so maybe they're still hoping something
0: develops there. But that's honestly part of the problem. Like, you took Ronald Jones last year because you didn't have a running back and you admitted it last year and he didn't pan out, so what are you doing? Like, you just think now you're all set at the position? (laughs)
1: Yeah, but overall, pretty good draft. Of course, linebacker Devin White in the first round solid pick there I was a little surprised they didn't fill their need on the edge with Josh Allen he was still available but linebacker was certainly a position of need and Devin White's ceiling is as high as anyone's at the NFL level so no
0: no arguments there well why not replace the departed former LSU linebacker Quan Alexander with an even better LSU (laughs) LSU linebacker linebacker. Devin White (laughs) so (laughs) I mean it just fits I guess what they want to do and it gives them a centerpiece for Todd Bowles defense
1: For sure. And now we'll hop right over here to the Tennessee Titans, a team I loved their draft. I give them an A-grade. Defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons, he had some off-field concerns and a torn ACL back in February that caused him to slide down draft boards, but a top 10 talent nonetheless. And then they got Marcus Mariota a weapon like A.J. Brown. That was my top wide receiver from this draft class. They're going to pair him with Adam Humphreys, Taewon Taylor, and Corey Davis. I know none of those names really stand out to you, but I'm still a believer in Corey Davis as a number one wide receiver. Taewon Taylor, they had him playing on the perimeter last year. He struggled, but when he did move into the slot, which is what he'll be able to do now that AJ Brown's on the team, Taywan Taylor actually had some success there. So I think they'll be able to get the most out of their players. And I know AJ Brown primarily played in the slot. A lot of people think that's what he'll be doing for the Titans. But we saw him have success on the outside once DK Metcalf suffered his neck injury last year. So I think he can really be used as. As much more than just a slot wide receiver and then they continue to add value offensive guard Nate Davis was solid adding to an already strong offensive line and then safety Amani Hooker in the fourth round I don't know how a physical safety like that fell to them there but I love that pick
0: I mean I agree with you I have them at an A- I thought they absolutely crushed the draft I'm not crazy about Jeffrey Simmons with the whole off-field thing, but I got to admit, as far as From the a talent, standpoint, talent yeah. standpoint, at 19 overall, that up in the top you know, for one of the better picks in the first round. A.J. Brown might not have been my number one wide receiver, but he might have been my number one most pro-ready wide receiver. He runs fantastic routes. He uses his body very well he's you know a good size and speed I like AJ Brown I think that's a great pick surrounding Marcus Mariota with a wide receiver and also bring in Nate Davis somebody who might not start immediately but towards the end of the season he might he doesn't have a long way to go he has to be developed a little bit but he is probably more more closer to ready than he isn't and I love that move because it is the time right about now where you have to make decision on that draft class Jameis Winston Marcus Mariota if they're going to be your franchise quarterbacks going forward get him some protection up front give him an extra your weapon to go with Corey Davis or you know, Adam Humphreys, the guys that they signed in free agency. Let's not let Marcus Mariota have any excuses this year. If he yep. is the guy, let, let him prove it. it. Yeah, if he's not, it. then you got to move on next year, especially within the next two years. You got Tua Tagabaloa and Trevor Lawrence supposed to be coming out within the next two years. This is the time. If he's not going to pan out, you got to move on. But like you said, besides that, the offense that they did great, and then on the defense side of the ball, Jeffrey Simmons, Amani Hooker. DeAndre Walker and David Long, all these guys are really impressive developmental prospects. Jeffrey Simmons and Amani Hooker can actually pay off sooner rather than later. So love this draft for them. We'll move right on to the Washington Redskins. Yeah, let's wrap Um, it up. They didn't have to... Am I... Perspective, I gave them an A. I thought they had a great draft. Same. I they didn't have that. the number one pick, but they had the best first round of all the teams. Especially, you know, like you had two teams, the Giants and the Oakland Raiders, who had three picks apiece. In its entirety, the Washington Redskins had the best first round. Dwayne Haskins at 15, the biggest need, extreme value with him falling to 15. You didn't have to move up to get him. No, yeah, exactly. That's crazy. That way, so... A pick
1: like that that can really turn your franchise around. Exactly.
0: If he pans out, and you know, from talking to me in the offseason, it's not that I was crazy crazy high on Haskins either. You know, he was one of my lower quarterbacks. He was behind Daniel Jones in my rankings. You know, I wasn't crazy about him. But at 15, that's good value. He was supposed to go in the top 10. Great value and a huge, huge need. He'll be the starter this year, no doubt. And then they treat back up in to get Montez Sweat. They stopped the slide of a very talented prospect. I know he has that heart condition. Some people have been saying that he's been misdiagnosed. It was a mistake that he's actually really 100% healthy. He doesn't have anything to worry about. But then they just continue to crush the draft as the draft goes on. I'm going to go a little out of order, order. here but Bryce Love in the fourth round man if you get 2017 Bryce Love you got one of the best running backs in the NFL I know he's struggled since then he's had some injury concerns still you're taking a shot in fact that you found in the fourth round the former Heisman Trophy finalist you know he didn't win but he was a finalist and you're hoping that he's that 2017 guy yeah. Terry McLaurin Third round wide receiver. This guy, I'm a huge fan of because he does the dirty work. He blocks on the perimeter. He can play inside and outside. I love Terry. And I think
1: he got a little overshadowed too because he wasn't over, he wasn't overly productive in college, but he was part of a loaded wide receiver corps at Ohio State. Not to mention
0: Dwayne Haskins well, coming yeah. from Ohio State. <laughs> You're bringing right teammates. Yeah. You know, that's the guy who's going to be most you know comfortable throwing to this year. He, he threw to him for years at college, so I love that pairing. I also love the pairing that they took in the middle. Rounds with Westmoreland offensive guard Indiana and Ross Piershbacher offensive guard Alabama. Both of these guys, longtime starters, smart football players, don't test well as well physically as some of the other prospects. But this is the per- perfect spot in the draft to take them. These are the guys who more than likely will eventually be starters because they're smart. They know how to play the game. They play assignment-based offensive line football, which means they might not be ballers. They might may not, may not be moving bodies as often as some of these top-tier guys, but they stick to their assignments, and they get the job done that they're supposed to be getting done. The last guy I'll mention, Kelvin Harmon, somebody that I wasn't huge on, but he was in he your was, top he five. Was fifth. He was my yeah, fifth. Yeah, he was in your top receiver. five wide receivers, and he fell to the sixth round, so that's extreme value. I know a lot of people had some like concern. Whether you like him or not. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people have concerns
1: about his ability to create separation. He is a bigger-bodied guy, and he doesn't really use his size. But I like that. He's not a guy that has to rely on his size to create separation and get open. He uses his speed. He uses his route-running abilities. And I just loved what I saw from him at NC State. I think if he does pan out, you know, he has some developing to do, he could end up being one of the steals of this draft going in the sixth round.
0: But it comes with no risk with the, in sixth the sixth round. round. Sixth round. Yeah. Who, who cares? If he and we know out.
1: the Redskins need to help a wide
0: receiver. The other pick that I know we touched on a little bit, and I'm going to drop back because we're done we covered all 30, 32 teams between our two episodes um so make sure if you didn't if you just tuned in for this one go back listen to the first episode make sure you get all 32 teams in its entirety there's a ton of great content in there but i just want to stress at the end here another pick that like you know we went into a little bit it wasn't a pick josh rosen to the that comes in that extreme value that i don't think enough people understand and maybe we didn't stress enough when we were talking about the miami dolphins there's no risk dude was they're, the top 10 pick they're paying him no money they're they got him for nothing second round pick like great pick for the Dolphins. They couldn't start the quarterbacks that they have in the building. I mean, actually, I'm sorry. They could start Fitzpatrick, but he's not the long term answer, and he's not even the guy that I would be real comfortable starting with for the whole season. That's the type of guy that you like. You draft a quarterback that's kind of ready, and you give. Fitzpatrick the first couple weeks. I just, I I like the fit. You know, I I think Josh Rosen, you know. And in the
1: interviews that we've seen with Josh Rosen since this trade took place, he seems like he really matured a lot since that draft. Everybody was questioning his character
0: and everything like this. He comes out with this video. He seems like a new man. Yeah, he comes out (laughs) with this video to, you know, a team that drafted him first overall, promised him the world. And then during this offense, during this offseason, he was like put through the gauntlet. Like he had to hear all the negative stuff about him and about how, you know, he's not worth the first round pick. He should only be a third rounder. Like how much of a mistake it was for the Cardinals to take him. I, I hope this kid does pretty well. Yeah,
1: I'm definitely, rooting, the I'm definitely rooting for Josh Rosen. And he wasn't, it's not like he was given a fair shake in Arizona last yeah. year. It's not like the- Team was it's, terrible. It's not like the Cardinals struggles were because of Josh Rosen. Yeah. yeah. There was plenty of things going wrong on that team. So, you know, really hope he turns it around in Miami.
0: I compare it to the situation with Jared Goff, man. Jared Goff was got off in his first year. Jeff Fisher, Sean, Sean McVay comes in, but not only that, but the personnel changes. They get more guys on the offensive line. They bring in some stud. You know, weapons around Jared Goff, They set him up for success. And this is something yeah. I mention all the time. You know this. You've heard me say it a million times, and you'll hear me say it a million times more as long as you're listening to the Football MD <laughs> Podcast. you got to set up these quarterbacks for success. You're doing them a, a, a disservice. We're blaming quarterbacks too quickly. I talked about it with Derek Carr. We're blaming these quarterbacks too quickly for you're putting too much on an individual for a team sport, in my yep. opinion. Like, you know what I'm saying? Winning, losing, it's a team statistic. I know it's easy to look at the most influential 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 position on the field just in general man we're too quick to blame these guys I think you know you got to give them a fair shake you got to protect them you got to give them some weapons you got to give them some complimentary defense you know whether the team should actually be led by defense and the quarterback should be the complimentary piece or vice versa whether the quarterback can really carry the most of the weight but you need some complimentary you need some complimentary defense played should be able to identify that and set up your quarterback for success that's what my main point is
1: Definitely agree. I think we'll end it on that note there. I really hope you guys enjoyed this draft recap. I hope whatever team you guys are a fan of, I hope you at least like their drafts. Hopefully we gave them a positive grade, some more positive reinforcement for you guys to go through this offseason with. And make sure you're on the lookout for our next upcoming episodes over the next few weeks. I think next week we're going to be going and doing our fantasy rankings for just rookies. And then we're going to follow that up with fantasy positional rankings for all the fantasy positions, your quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends given some early rankings, some early outlooks into each position. These are going to be some exciting episodes, so be on the lookout for those.
0: And don't forget, guys, this is the type of year where we really start delving into fantasy football because we know you guys love it. It was part of one of our main building blocks of this podcast, something that we started out with, something that we're very passionate we about. We used to be
1: called the Fantasy MD Podcast, actually. It's <laughs> so, so a little fun fact for you guys. Yeah,
0: so it's definitely a core value here at the football md team that's why i want to remind you guys go to the website because we're going to be updating now our top 200 list all of our positional rankings and that is a huge pillar of our website in fact like you my my co-host mike just said we used to be the fantasy md podcast when we transitioned to the football md podcast we actually kept the fantasy page completely on its own it's a link through our website the football md and it'll bring you right to the fantasy page the fantasy md page and that's where you'll get all your fantasy insight We'll have a printable cheat sheet out this yep. year. We're going to try to go even in more depths with the tiers and more detail. We're going to actually try to give you more detail on the player profiles on the website. You'll have to go to the website for those. But we're going to be trying to bring you just so much more content this year. We're trying to take our game to the next level in our second season. You know, we're trying to develop just like these prospects that we talked about at this uh, episode. We're trying to bring you guys grade A content we're looking forward to it we hope you guys are make sure you tune in football md pod on our social media pages and football on our website until next time guys it's always a pleasure take care guys